Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Good, you uh, a little cold out there. I know, uh, yeah, I'm going to get the message in, in, uh, in a moment. Just to let you know, too, if you uh, have been coming around here for a while, about once a year what I try to do is uh, give, in a sense, a little bit of the state of the church where we're going, and that's what this weekend is about. So uh, it'll be different, but I think it'll be helpful, and there's always stuff you're going to be able to apply uh, to your life. Last week we talked about uh, some of your own uh, personal spiritual growth, and, and again, this next week as we close it out. And then I'm doing a, a series on 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the Bible, uh, which if you're not familiar with the Bible, that may sound like, hey, what's that about? Will it be boring? It's actually the love chapter in the Bible, and I think you're going to learn a lot. Actually, that chapter is often uh, we take it in a context that it really wasn't meant in, and so I uh, encourage you to come bring a friend to that one. Uh, that'll be uh, great. But before we do anything else, I want to really address the, the elephant in the room here, is I know that some of you are a little bit uh, disturbed at really the horrible thing that happened to our city yesterday. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't like to be a sore loser. That's not who I am. But I am, I like to teach God's word, and so as I was doing a study of animals in the Bible, I couldn't uh, help but notice that wild falcons in the Bible often represent uh, the heathen and sinful thoughts and deeds. Um, Deuteronomy 14, 12, just teaching God's word today. Uh, and then uh, as well, if you're worried about next year's season, uh, Job 39, 26. God, it is by your understanding that the hawk soars. And so just want to let you know, <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of hope there. Uh, well, I'm having fun. Hey, you know, a lot of people get bummed out about football. It could be way worse than that. Many of you know Dave Nelson, who's uh, probably, when I'm not speaking, he speaks the most. He pastors a, a large growing church over in Wisconsin. Uh, Dave's a great guy, amazing speaker. If you hear he's speaking, man, you want to come and bring a friend. Uh, but when it comes to some of the pastoral duties, he's not as adept at those. Uh, in fact, he was doing a wedding not too long ago uh, where uh, he, and Dave, you know, Dave's a real excited guy. He's like he's on uh, caffeine all the time. And he's like, hey, we're here today and we're here to celebrate the love of Michael and Sarah. And you're here because you're saying you believe that Michael and Sarah should be joined together as husband and wife. And we're going to invite God into Michael and Sarah's relationship because I believe that God has called Michael and Sarah to be uh, spouses. It was at that point she stopped him and said, excuse me, wrong name. Yeah, what a great way to start her marriage. She says, my name is Michelle. I think the only thing that was worse than that is Sarah was the name of his ex-wife. So, does that put the Hawks lost in perspective for you today? I mean, it could be way worse <laughs> than that. Well, we're getting into uh, Scripture, and as I said, uh, if you're new around here, it's good because you'll find out the mission of our church, 
but also, we're going to bring some biblical understanding as we study Acts chapter 20 in how we develop a spiritual game plan for our lives, for our family, and for our ministry together. Uh, our church mission statement, I always say, if uh, your mission statement is really uh, unique, you either have a real cool church or they're a cult, one of the two, uh, because uh, the Bible tells us what our mission is. We actually don't, we don't have the opportunity to come up with our own mission. We follow God's mission. Uh, and our, ours is stated this way, Timberlake Church exists to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist uh, as a church. Uh, that we're to help people uh, connect with Jesus and take their next right step. And uh, as we move forward, we live that out with some values. Uh, it, it, I've talked about these before. What are some of our church values? One of our church values is we have a low shame level. That means that you don't have to hide because there's no healing in hiding. If Whatever you're hiding will never be healed. If you bring it to God and you're in an atmosphere where it's safe, to just say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I have a problem. Not that I'm endorsing sin, but man, I believe just because God hasn't uh, done it in the past, it doesn't mean he's not going to help me in the future. And so that's why I see, we see so many people find freedom in Jesus Christ, whether no matter what it is, in their faith, in their finances, uh, with addiction, sexuality, in their marriages, when they're overcoming grief. Because we believe a low shame level is important. Some of you were raised in church, and do you know why no one ever changed or got better and they acted holy? It's because there was such a high shame level, no one could admit they had a problem. And I determined long ago, about five years into my ministry, as I saw people who, uh, like couples, who would rather, they, they would leave the church so they could get divorced rather than say they had a marriage problem. And I said, if that, I will never be involved in that to get, not that, I mean, there's reason behind every divorce, trust me, I know, heard the stories. We also believe that everyone has a next right step in Jesus Christ. We value that. We value growth. We value spiritual growth. And as a church, uh, the, the amount of spiritual growth here is phenomenal. Uh, not learning church terminology, that's not growth. I'm talking about taking a step where God is more leading more of my life than he ever has before. Another value, we're committed to the uncommitted. You say, hey, I'm not even committed to God. That's okay, we're committed to you. That's our first commitment. We're committed to the next generation. That's why when during the Great Recession, when churches almost universally cut back on certain programs, like youth in particular, uh, we said, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to invest. We double down. And that's why we have one of the most largest engaging youth ministries in our region today. Because we believe the next generation matters. We want to create a, a no weird stuff environment. The only weird thing we allow here is me. <laughs> but what does that mean? Is that we just try to make this easy and accessible. Because I, didn't, I wasn't raised in church. I knew what it was like to feel weird when I came into church. Because there was terminology and language. And we're not perfect that way. But these are the values we live by as a church. We have values for our staff too. And, and our staff and our board. They have a higher accountability than anyone who comes here. And, and so we talk about uh, what are we committed to. Things like radical responsiveness. Man, are you... Uh, put in a connection card. If someone doesn't get back to you in a week, you, you tell me because we want to, we value, unless you didn't, like you signed some note, you were not happy with something and you didn't sign your name. 
Uh, I always tell my staff, those are from Satan. So <laughs> the, <laughs> you say, are you calling me Satan? Yeah, pretty much. So the, uh, but whenever there's some, you, you make a next right step, we want to help you. Uh, one of those things, uh, we're efficient with resources. Man, I, I think we're one of the most efficient churches you'll ever find, uh, definitely in our region, maybe in the country. We value every dollar. We want it to have kingdom impact. In fact, I take this to the extreme. My staff sometimes gives me a little bit of hard time. I know my wife does uh, about this as well. For example, this last week I was invited to an event with 40 churches across the country. Uh, it was pretty a great group uh, to be part of. Uh, a foundation underwrote it, so there was no cost. And I said, hey, I'm going to uh, save money. Took one of the pastors, Pastor Shane. I said, you know, not only we're going to use points for our airfare. In fact, not only are we going to use points, we're not even going to get a hotel. We're going to take the red-eye flight, go to the conference all day, and then fly home just to save money because I thought it was a good idea. Can I tell you I was wrong? <laughs> uh, some of you need to give an extra hundred bucks because I'm never doing that again. <laughs> uh, the, I, I, I kid you not because I thought, what idiot is going to take a red-eye flight to Dallas? Plane was full. So there were, their plane was full, there were a couple of big, like, you know, guys looked like they could have played on the defensive line for the Seahawks, and the plane was full, and guess where they sat? Right next to me. And I can't say, they were in a little bit of a cuddly mood, too. <laughs> it was a horrible experience. And Pastor Shane there, I mean, here, here he is, he's about as skinny as you can get. He's there, the only empty seat is right next to him, and he's just lounging the whole flight. That's... I don't like it much. No, the, uh, but the truth is, I, what I'm just saying is there's values that we live by, and we don't get it perfect. By the way, you don't get yours perfect either, so. Uh, but we, we try to live by these values because it helps us to understand how we're to operate. But the, if we get the mission wrong, the values don't mean anything. Philippians 3.14, the Apostle Paul, before I get to Acts chapter 20, he, he, he talks about this. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He had a game plan. It is biblical to have a game plan. It's important in your life, your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your work to have a game plan. And if you say that's not the way I am, I'll tell you what, that's the way you're going to want to be. Because uh, why game plan? Here's four ideas. I just thought of these. It re reduces frustration. You understand, okay, I, I understand uh, where I'm going. I don't have the anxiety of not knowing. Doesn't mean you can never modify your game plan. You probably should. It also simplifies decisions. When I know what I'm supposed to do, I know what I'm not supposed to do. Some of you are parents. You need to hear this more than anything. If, yeah, yeah you knew I was going to get to you. So the... Uh, you're, you have stress in your parenting because you don't have a game plan. Because you've never invested the time and the resource. And by the way, we, like I said, we do love and logic parenting classes. We don't, childcare, we don't even charge for childcare. I mean, we, you can never have it easier than we make it for you. Because you need to get a game plan. You need to be on the same team. Because I love kids. I'm all about kids. But we know those kids are wonderful, sweet, and can be little sinners that will manipulate you given the opportunity, right? <laughs> someone, someone, every time I say that, say, I don't like it when you say kids are little sinners. I'm like, oh, are you never had a child? No. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the truth is they look to us for guidance. 
And so we need to have a game plan. You know, by the way, if you're... Uh, okay, I... Sometimes this last service, I tend to take a couple liberties. Uh, around your sexuality. You're married? Man, that's been a problem. You've got to have a game plan. You're single? Don't want to hook up? Or you want to and you, God told you no? <laughs> got to have a game plan. So for me, one of the things that with my parenting, uh, I, I realized I was making a significant mistake as a dad. So about seven years ago, uh, when I first came here, I'd pastored a large church in San Diego, and I was getting great opportunities. I taught at college, a seminary, was getting to do some uh, conference stuff, and that's sort of fun for pastors. It's, it's, it's an honor when people invite you to do that. Here's the problem. My primary mission was not that. And you say primary mission to church? No, that was my second mission. My first is to my family. And so I shut down everything. It was simple. I just said no to everything for years. Now I have my kids are in college. I can say yes to things again and, and wonderful opportunities. See, your game plan will change depending on the season of your life. It also increases motivation because I got to have a win. Man, I got to know what a win is like. I like to win, but I, I need to know what a win looks like. It also maximizes my effectiveness when I have a game plan. So here's what I want to do is I want to look at the Apostle Paul because he comes to a point where there's a change for him in his game plan. Paul, give you an example, he's a guy God used to write about two-thirds of the New Testament. He was religious early in his life but did not have a relationship with God. And in fact, he thought he was doing spiritual things but was working against God. God shows up in a miraculous way through a voice from heaven and you're saying, man, that hasn't happened to me. I believe that can happen today doesn't for most of us it's not how God's going to speak to us but uh, he changes trajectory see he thought that uh, God only was concerned about his people and we read in the Bible that God it, he worked within the nation of Israel the Jewish people he blessed them as an example of his love and but also he said I have blessed you to be a blessing you will be a light to the Gentiles but he had gotten it wrong as many people had and misunderstanding the special blessing God gave Israel was only for Israel. I mean, I think about it. On Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend, when we uh, talk about things like race relations or uh, ethnicity or whatever. See, those dividing walls are always a result of sin. See, God's plan is expansive. And so God spoke to him. And you know what he spent the rest of his life doing? He spent the rest of his life to the people who he thought were on the outside, he said, I'm going to give my life to bless them. And he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with the, the non-Jewish people. But, and, and we uh, read, read this, Acts 20, verse 21. He says, I declare to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But then God does something interesting. He changes. He, he, he changes the plan, and he says, I want you to go back to your people and I want you to share the good news. And he goes through this process, and I think there's a discernment process. Uh, and I don't know about you, maybe you're naturally an amazingly discerning person. I need God's wisdom for me to be discerning. And I, and I think we learn from him, and what I'm going to state it in four questions. What we find in Acts chapter 20, these five verses that we're studying 
today. And I think this is helpful. I'm going to tell you what it's meant for us as a church, but also what it'll mean for you. The first question is, what is God telling me? See, oftentimes, here's the thing I know about you, is that you get a sense God's telling you to do something, but you know what sometimes we do? Is we don't do it. And then we wonder why God is more silent. I don't know about you. I've had a great sense at times that God is calling me to do something. And I'm like, okay, God, just, you know, will you confirm that about 32 times? Because, you know, I mean, it's true. Well, I mean, but again, parents, I know some of you aren't parents. What Delayed obedience is what? Disobedience. And so we get that. I know you're like that. I'm like that. I'm just saying we, we're going to stop hearing from God. And so it says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. That he says, I'm compelled. The Holy Spirit is leading me. So uh, how, we, how we discern that uh, as individuals are obviously through God's word, through prayer, through that nudge, that, that voice that in your mind that's too smart to be you voice, that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, all of these things through, through other people. As a church, we, we're discerning for this next season. And uh, you say, well, how do you discern? Is it just, you know, God speaks to you and you tell everyone what to do? I think the church would operate better that way if that's the way it did. But no, that's not how we operate. It's through we have a, a board and a, and, and a pastoral team, and we sort of get the sense of where God is leading us in this next season. And so I, I think it's important, though, before we get there, is to understand a little bit of where we've been. Uh, I know that even this year, there are hundreds of you who just came in the last 12 months. And so, um, just to give you a little recap, I'm going to have to fill in some blanks. Uh, the guys came up, and by the way, our, our tech team uh, is awesome. Uh, they came up with just a little short video of, of what has a few of the things in the last few months. Let me unpack that a little bit for you. It's been an exciting season for us as a church. Uh, so those of you new around here, uh, Timberlake has had a great history for over 28 years. Uh, it's not been a perfect history. No one has a perfect history. First 10 years, church grew uh, uh, rapidly. God was doing some great things. And then it came across a season, actually a couple, a couple hiccups along the way. And uh, there was a leadership of the church that said, hey, we want to get back to our original mission. Where our mission statement is the same mission statement it was 28 years ago. I mean, at some point we may need to put in more modern language, but uh, to make more and better disciples. And so Timberlake used to only have, uh, well, at the time when I was invited to become pastor, we had one campus, we only had one service. Uh, we didn't have the balcony. Sorry, guys, you wouldn't be here. Uh, <laughs> that was part of an expansion we did. Uh, 
about a $5 million expansion to this facility, which allowed us to create more parking and room. So it used to be uh, people, one service, usually pretty much a middle section, maybe even a few more spaces uh, in there. And so we had uh, our one Timberlake Church campus. That's our original campus, one church, uh, one service, one campus. Uh, and then uh, we've added services. You know, we have four services uh, a weekend on this campus now and uh, our online presence. And then we added a church in Issaquah, which, by the way, is going better than it ever ha it has in its history. It's over five years old. We need a place for them, a permanent place. It's been very difficult to find, but they're growing in the theater uh, in, in really a significant way. I don't think there's another church in the state of Washington that meets in a theater that's seeing the growth that they are. Uh, and then in Duval, a uh, little town, uh, there's an old historic church. The town was built around. Uh, we were able to purchase that. People gave. Uh, it was pretty amazing. In the middle of a building campaign, extra money to make that happen. Uh, and now there's a church of 300 people there. I know. Uh, and then Woodenville Bothell, that just started. Uh, and that one is where we had a lot of young families moving. That's uh, going. They're a great team there. And then you'll notice way down there, Castle Rock, uh, there was a church that came to the end of its life cycle. And uh, they said, hey, uh, we'd like to join with you to give us their building uh, with that. It's actually a newer building than this one. It was paid off, which is good, because if someone gives you like a building with a lot of debt, that's not good. Uh, we've said no to those before. Uh, so, but a, a great building, 1,000 feet off Interstate 5 in Castle Rock. And uh, in fact, the pastor there said, uh, he, he just texted me, and he said, uh, that Mark and Sarah, I won't say their last name, but the... Uh, uh, this couple came, and they just moved from Sammamish to Castle Rock, and they said we were totally freaked out when they saw the Timberlake sign. And uh, I'm like, I'm freaked out. They moved to Castle Rock. No, they, <laughs> but uh, it's a great church there and uh, uh, cool, cool ministry. And so uh, God has been uh, developing that. And now, the goal, to be honest with you, I have... Uh, you know, have had reservations in the past. Should we even do multi-site church? It's just really effective. We have more people percentage-wise come to Christ and serve on those campuses than even here. I mean, it's just radical what God is doing uh, on that. In fact, there's more people who meet on those campuses than were in the church uh, eight and a half years ago that, that, and, and this, in this Redmond campus. And so uh, in this next year or so, we're seeing two new campuses. One is in Olympia, Washington, uh, surprisingly, there's already a core group of 40 to 50 people, which is a very good-sized launch team for a church that's not starting until September. Uh, we had uh, someone uh, uh, come with a grant. and I mean, it's just very amazing financially even how God is providing for that. And then we're thinking uh, up in Snoqualmie area. And so uh, that is the largest concentration of people who attend Timberlake who uh, we always say 15 to 30 minutes away. We don't have a leader or a location. We just know where uh, that's, that's going to be our next right step, and we're going to start uh, a campus uh, up there. And I, every once in a while I'll get this. Well, I, I go, because I know Snoqualmie is about a half hour away from here. Well, I, I still think uh, I'm going to drive here. Or are you going to make people go to that campus? Can I tell you, I can't make people do anything. Once I'm able to accomplish it with my children, I'll start making you do things. Uh, <laughs> What we're doing is we're simply providing opportunities for spiritual growth and for people to reach their friends. And honestly, uh, 
there, you know, this is not the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's not there's any benefit to the staff of adding campuses. All it does is increase my blood pressure, honestly. Uh, and and I, I shared this last service. I didn't share it the other services. Uh, I honestly was not going to do some of these other things I was sort of holding back. Because uh, I've never, my only goal in life has been to pastor a local church. I don't, uh, I want the name of Jesus to be great. I could care less. If, you know, even if, if people know me or even our church. But then I've seen what's happening in
Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.